Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the first time in more than two decades, there's been a leadership change at the PGA Tour as Jay Monahan has officially taken over as commissioner for the outgoing Tim Fincham. In this Golf Channel podcast special, our Rich Lerner caught up with Monahan to discuss life in his new job and his vision for the PGA Tour in 2017. Commissioner, Happy New Year and congratulations. Rich, Happy New Year to you. Great to be with you. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Um, most of us who played sports as a kid didn't grow up with dreams of being the next uh, David Stern, Paul Tagliabue, even Tim Fincham. You were a good athlete, I know that, in New England. What were your athletic aspirations as a kid? As a kid, I, I played hockey and golf, and uh, my aspirations were to be as good as I could be in those two sports and just kind of let it take me where it was going to take me. And uh, I was fortunate that growing up in Boston, those two seasons worked perfectly, so there was never a dull moment. I went from hockey into golf and golf into hockey and I uh, was fortunate to play both sports all the way through college and from that came a real passion for the sport, were for you, sport and sports business. Were you a skater or a hitter? Uh, I, was, uh, I, I was more of a playmaker. Uh, I was not known for my speed, probably more known <laughs> for my hands. Um, but uh, love the game and, and uh, love to be with 20 people on the ice. Good enough to be captain at Trinity College, uh, Division Three in Connecticut. You were also All-America in golf. How valuable was that experience? Uh, it, incredibly valuable. I think just playing those two sports all my life taught me a lot of great life lessons, but golf in particular, I think the, the singularity of golf plus the team nature of golf, whether it was playing for a high school championship or playing for a league championship in golf and being with four other teammates and trying to compete. Um, there's so many lessons that I look back at from those times that I take forward. Fair to say your biggest win in golf was the father-son with dad Joe at Winchester Country Club? Yeah, I think uh, for me golf is, is all about my family. So anytime I could do something uh, with my family that was special. I would say there are two moments in my golfing life that uh, I'm particularly proud of. One was winning the father-son with my dad, but more importantly, see him win it 15 times. Mm. And then um, I was my, I went, took a postgraduate year at a school called Lawrenceville in New Jersey. And uh, we were playing in the Eastern Interscholastics at Yale. And a long story short, I had a five-stroke lead going to the final round, five shots over my brother, Brendan. We were paired together in the final round. Unfortunately, we both lost in a playoff. But that experience of playing together, trying to help each other out, uh, even though we lost, it was uh, it's a very special memory in retrospect. Would you believe I graduated from the Lawrenceville School, played golf, played the Yale golf course? Didn't have that experience, but I'm I'm a Laurentian. I didn't realize I'm a, that. <laughs> I'm a Laurentian. Uh, wow. Jay, what are your goals for uh, first year as commissioner? Uh, you know, I think that um, we have the, the beautiful the beautiful part of this transition process that we went through over the past two and a half years had a lot of time, particularly over the last six months, to execute on a transition plan that Commissioner Fincham and I had built. 
So the goals are, are really, it always starts with people. So for me, it's really about listening to our players, our fans, uh, our tournaments, our sponsors. And I think from that will come the growth, uh, not only of the PGA Tour in our business, but hopefully the game. Um, I think if we all work together to grow this game, then everybody will, will flourish, and uh, we're particularly focused on that. Toward that end, you and your team took a trip out to Silicon Valley, visited companies like Google and Facebook. Why would you make that trip, and what would you learn? Well, we made that trip because you always want to understand trends, and you understand, particularly from technology, how things are evolving, and as a result, how you can better serve your fan. And we work very closely with uh, NBC Golf Channel on that front day in and day out, but for us, it was a chance to get away from the office, meet all the top firms, understand their perspective on the PGA Tour and the game of golf, and from that, take some lessons forward. Uh, we really learned a lot about the value of our, of our players uh, and the way they relate to fans, and we're really pushed to create more content, not just the four days of our competitions, but over the course of the entire week. So it has to be in real time. So if, if, if Bubba hits a 400-yard drive, that has to be available, correct, on Twitter, social media, pretty much instantaneously? Yeah, I think, I think you want to make certain that if someone does something exceptional, you're using all the platforms for people to realize that. So being more aggressive on that front. And it's a 400-yard drive. It's an eagle. There's so many things that happen with, with 72 players on the golf course. It gives you a lot of flexibility. Every organization has mounds of data on millennials. What does your research tell you about uh, why, when, how they consume your product? Well, we have, you know, I think of the 24.1 million players in our country today, 6 million are millennials. And I think 3.1 million are, are ages uh, uh, 6 to 17. So in terms of consuming the content, if you just look at our platforms, all of them, we've seen prolific growth. And that would tell you that that younger generation is taking to what we're doing, not only on PJTour.com, but with Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, all the platforms that we're leveraging today. What do you love uh, about your star players, this young crop, Jason Day, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama? Well, I, there's an awful lot I love. Um, but I think that first and foremost, um, it's their relatability, how purposeful they are um, as individuals and how purposeful they are as it relates to their responsibility to the game uh, and, to, and to inspiring future generations. And they all come forward, have come to the PGA Tour incredibly well prepared. They handle themselves exceedingly well. They're candid, they're frank, they're open. Uh, and I think that is going to serve us, ex serve, us, serve us extremely well as we go forward. Uh, at one point, there was a thought that maybe golf could uh, crack the big three in American uh, sports, baseball, basketball, football. It, is that realistic still for golf 10, 15 years down the road to crack that? I, I absolutely think it is. Why? And I, well, I think you have to look at... I mean, I actually think that in some respects we are. It depends on which part of the game you're looking at. So it's not but just if, a niche sport. In, in Rich, we've got 24 million people playing golf in our country, 23 million playing basketball, 17 million uh, playing tennis, and I think 13 million playing baseball. Now their numbers, basketball and baseball, exceed golf globally, but I think that that's an opportunity for us. Uh, and I think with these stars that we have, how relatable they are, with our ability to tell their stories uh, more consistently and more directly as we go forward, I, I don't think there's anybody that we can't compete favorably against. A lot of talk about the schedule. 
How likely is it in the next few years that the players will move from May back to March? Yeah, there has been a lot of talk about the schedule, and I think we, I think to address that, we're always we're always analyzing the schedule and we're looking at the flow of the schedule. So it's not just the players; um, it's really what is the best schedule to put forward. So we're looking at the players' championship. We had a ton of success in March. We moved it to May. We feel like we're going to be successful in either one of those two fronts. Why would it be better in March? Well, I think if you look at if you look at the flow of the schedule, if you had big events from March all the way through August, PGA Championship in May, then potentially, potentially, and, and I can't speak to right. uh, what the PGA of America is is uh, is doing or thinking, but uh, I can tell you that Pete and Pete's been very public mm -hmm. about this that they analyze their schedule as well, and we're partners, so we talk frequently, we talk openly about what we're thinking and how we're looking at it, and they talk to us about how they're thinking and looking at it. So. There's the potential that that can happen, but that's not a PGA Tour decision. We've got a responsibility to the other golf orgs to, to talk openly about what's best for the game and for our fans. So March is being looked at, being studied. It is. Yes. It always is. Uh, what about the possibility of uh, ending the FedEx Cup playoffs, which have been exciting, before the NFL season starts? We're looking at that as well. I mean, you can't look at the flow of the schedule and not think that that, that is a... Uh, a logical outcome um, to end prior to the start of the NFL playoffs uh, I think would, would give us uh, really a, a month of August that could be uh, pretty exceptional so it's complicated though it's not just a matter of we, we're going to make a decision to end our season earlier there's a lot of a lot of factors a lot of tournaments that could be uh, affected by that so we're that will not happen anytime soon but we're, we're giving it a lot of thought is slow play an issue why or why not well, you know, slow play, you look back to 2000, it took four hours and 45 minutes on Thursday and Friday to play 18 holes for our players. It takes three hours and 49 minutes on Saturday and Sunday. It's the same amount of time it takes today. It takes a player 38 seconds to execute their shot. Um, there are seven Not all players. Well, well no, I, but at the average. And, okay. and one of the things that, that we look at is we've got a commitment to you we're putting our product forward within a time frame, and we seem to complete our tournaments on time, week in and week out, uh, with very few exceptions. So uh, we're, proud of, we're, we're proud of where we stand there, but in today's day and age, and going back to your question on what we learned out, out west, everybody's trying to do things faster. The rate of acceleration grows in every industry, so we're looking at the data, we're trying to think of ways to, you know, to continue to improve, but we feel like we've made some really good uh, adjustments in the last couple of years. Uh, Zurich goes uh, from uh, metal play individual to a team format uh, later this year. It does. Why'd you do it, and might we see other interesting formats? Team golf, I think, is, uh, is something that at the, at the amateur level, at the participatory level, people do day in and day out. We've seen the, the success of President's Cup, the Ryder Cup, the World Cup. We see the way our players respond to it. We see the way fans respond to it. And it was just, a, we, we were really we're talking to Zurich and thinking about how do we energize that event going forward. And we thought it was the perfect event to do so. Uh, do I see more changes like that going forward? Yes. I mean, we're always thinking about ways to evolve the product in a way that the fan can relate to and you know, create real energy behind our tournaments. Why does the PGA Tour choose not to make public player suspensions, as other sports do? Well, we, um, you know, you, you have to look at what is our responsibility as an organization to our players. 
and, and for us it's to make certain that they comport themselves in keeping with the values of the sport and that they live healthy lifestyles. And uh, we feel like there have been very few instances uh, going back to when we started anti-doping in 2008 all the way to this day. And, and we feel like we're doing a very good job because our players uh, are, doing, are, are living up to the objectives, and I think our system is supporting that. Um, the NBA pulled its all-star game from Charlotte, North Carolina, standing with the LGBT community against the bathroom bill. You're going to continue to compete in North Carolina, and there will be other uh, flashpoints um, mm -hmm. in other states. Yeah. You know that going yeah. forward. Why did you choose to stay in North Carolina, and how will you navigate those issues going forward? Well, I want to be clear, and I think we were at the time, that we are um, entirely supportive and try and foster a welcome, open, inclusive environment at our tournaments and in our organization. And we feel very good about what we're doing on that front. In that instance, we've got four tournaments in North Carolina that have been on the schedule for a long period of time that generate $4 million in charity year in and year out. And we look at the tournaments that are held at private facilities. So we can treat the LGBT community in a way that they, we can honor and respect that community uh, and, and allow ourselves to be able to continue great events, but we don't see any change in the way that we're going to operate. We're going to, like I said, we're going to honor and respect uh, the LGBT community, and we're very excited about what's ahead in North Carolina. Jay, how's the PGA Tour's relationship with President-elect Trump, and why would it matter? Uh, you know, I think that we um, are, are, you go back and you have to look at, at our history with the Office of the Presidency. And, and we have, we've been very fortunate in that we're coming off a string of presidents that have loved this game. And uh, that's going to continue with President-elect Trump. And when he takes office, he will probably be the most proficient golfer uh, that, that's ever sat in the office of the presidency, and he's certainly the most golf knowledgeable. Uh, it's well known that we had a great partnership with, uh, with the Trump Organization in Miami at Trump Doral. Um, we wanted to stay there. Uh, the reason that we did not stay there is because we couldn't find a sponsor. And I was personally involved in that pursuit for close to 18 months and am disappointed to this day that we weren't able to deliver. Um, but we, as we look forward, I think January 18th, we look to the President's Cup. Uh, we're excited to have President Trump uh, participate, hopefully be there on site or in whatever manner he can. Uh, and we look forward to finding a way to continue to work uh, with the Trump Organization moving forward. Uh, President's Cup should be exciting this year. How will the tour take advantage of that spectacular New York City backdrop? Well, Liberty National is such a, a special venue. I think we've all seen that with, uh, with uh, the Barclays, now Northern Trust. And really what we're trying to do is celebrate everything that is New York, um, to be that close, that close to the Statue of Liberty, to Liberty Park. We're going to have events at Ellis Island. Uh, our players will be taking a boat eight minutes from their hotel across to the venue itself. Uh, and we're really trying to drive an international crowd to support the international team and to celebrate what's so unique about the President's Cup. I was reading an article about the, the NBA. Uh, they are embracing sports betting. Mm -hmm. It's a huge revenue stream. Is that something you would look at in the future or is that absolutely off limits? Is it something we look at? Uh, absolutely. We always look at something that uh, we look at things that uh, other sports are doing, having success with, trends in the industry. Uh, it's something we've spent a lot of time on up to this point in time. Um, you look at DraftKings and FanDuel, you look at the 
gaming in the international markets, there's a lot of opportunity there, but there's some complexity, and that complexity has, has uh, held us back from, uh, yeah. from moving forward, but we will look at it and we'll have an open mind towards it. Particularly because integrity is the backbone of this game. Yeah, but has I, it absolutely is. And I think if you're going to get into that industry, you're going to spend a lot of time making certain that you have the backbone, that you've got, uh, you've got the resources to be able to understand what's happening uh, in that industry and what the patterns are. And if there's any irregularities, they're apparent to you. And that's what I think the other sports have invested in and done a very good job of. And as a result, I think they can operate there effectively. Uh, what impact does a healthy and competitive Tiger Woods have on the product? It's, it's, uh, it's a great impact. Um, I, we've all seen it. You saw it at the Hero World Challenge. Comes out and makes 24 birdies, and it's the talk of the entire sporting world. So we're excited that he's coming back, that he's got uh, three events that he's committed to here in the first quarter. And um, Tiger brings a lot of people inside and outside the game to the PGA Tour, and uh, I think it's going to be a great lift in the first quarter. Excited to see how he performs. I'm a sponsor, and I want uh, brand enhancement, exposure. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at a number of different sports. Mm -hmm. Why should I buy the PGA Tour? Because, because of the purpose and the impact. When you of say this purpose, game. just elaborate a little bit. Um, it's, a, it's a word you've used. Yes, you know, I, I just think that this game serves, from an individual standpoint, um, whether you're young or you're someone that's using the game to grow your business. Your ability to relate to people, to interact with people, uh, is unsurpassed by any other sport. It, 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 there, there's nothing that's even close to it. You and I could go out here yeah. and spend five hours together. We're not going to do that in any other athletic endeavor. So that is spectacular. Yeah. And when you're trying to build a business in today's day and age, it's all about your ability to relate to people. And that's never going to change. So that is extremely important. But I just think that if you look at impacting communities, making a difference in people's lives, making an impact, an economic impact in the communities where you play, making an, a, a statement about your company and your brand as it relates to supporting communities and mm -hmm. charities. That's what purpose is all about. And every brand operates with an intention to drive purpose. And I think that we do that exceedingly well and we have a commitment to do it uh, even better as we go forward. Uh, you have a relationship now with the LPGA Tour. Mm -hmm. What might come out of that? Um, I mean, you could see men and women playing here uh, at the Tournament of Champions. That'd be cool. But, I mean, you, you could see that. That's something that um, we're thinking about. We're talking to Mike and the LPGA, and we'd like to see happen, and we've got some interest from sponsors. So Right here, this right specific here. event? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and I think that there is, listen, we've been partners with the LPGA for a long time. So when we made the announcement it really wasn't anything new it's just more formalized we're spending more time talking about how do we drive more people to the game both men and women uh, girls and boys uh, can we potentially get men and women in the same field of play again another thing that no other sport can do uh, and then looking at media and is, are there some shared efficiencies with how we present uh, our tours to the world at large last thing jay because i'm a diehard sports fan and i'm i'm a, a philly guy mm -hmm. uh your list is a long one i'm guessing or a long list to choose from your all-time boston sports heroes hmm. my all-time boston sports hero is bobby orr mm -hmm. uh, a hockey and guy. uh but i was i was born on may 7th 1970 
Uh, I believe, uh, I know that uh, the game-winning goal in the 1970 Stanley Cup was, 19, was May 10th. Uh, my mom always told the story about the parade going by the Mount Auburn Hospital um, as I was sitting there with her waiting to, be, uh, waiting to leave the hospital. But I had a chance to work for Bobby. I could go on and on, but I, I'll tell one story. My mom passed away um, about 10 years ago, and uh, I had worked for Bobby. And Bobby used to always talk to me about Arnold. Um, and how he admired Arnold. And I'd, I'd, I'd come to the office at, uh, when, he, when he bought our company. Uh, I'd come to the office. I was young, really wanted to make a good impression. I'd get there at 7.30 the first week, and he was the only one there. Then the next week I tried 7. He was there. Then the next week I tried 6.30. <laughs> then I tried 6. He got in every day at 5.45. He opened up his fan mail. He read it. And then he wrote, he took that picture out. He'd sign the picture and personalize it, roll it up, put it on a tube, Put a piece of scotch tape on the tube, and uh, and he would do that every single day, and he'd do it for two hours. Uh, and then when my mom passed away, and the, my my parents were very friendly with the oars. Bobby had just had his hip replaced, and my mom died way too young. And we were at the wake, and uh, it was raining, and it was just a bad night. And Bobby was about an hour and a half out in the line, and my uncle came in and said the oars are way in the back of the line, and Bobby's you know, got a bad hip. And we, my dad said, well, bring him right to the front. My uncle went all the way back, um, saw Mr. Orr and Mrs. Orr, and said, the Monahans want to have you come up front. And Bobby looked at my dad and said, I'm going to treat that lady with the same amount of respect that everybody else in this line is treating mm. her with, and I'm not moving an inch. And he, an hour and 45 minutes, he came into, uh, came into the wake and spoke to us, and I'll never forget it. Um, but just very consistent with the way he operated and really cared about people, and I love that. Jake, pretty good hockey player, too. Fairly good with that one <laughs> iconic yeah. photograph. Yeah. And by the way, that Boston list, when you start with Orr and Russell and Bird and Brady, and that's just the tip. We're uh, just getting going. Great place to grow yeah. up. Jay, again, congratulations. We look forward to working with you through the years. Likewise, All the best. Rich, thank you. 2017. You thank too. you, Jay. Thank you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.